Hello, Texans, and welcome to the podcast. Great to have you listening. Let's get to it here. Matt Taylor is our guest today, and we just caught up with him a couple of weeks ago, but let's get a fresh update on the Colts and his thoughts on the Texans and the AFC South. And by the way, the Texans, plain spoiler, by the way, you needed me to tell you that. You're listening here. You know that already. It's a spoiler weekend for the Texans who cannot win the AFC South, but they have a say in who does. And if they beat the Colts, the Colts are really up against it. They would need the Titans to, let's see, to win the tiebreaker, they wouldn't be able to. They would have to come out a win ahead of the Titans in overall record because the Colts would go to three losses in the division while the Titans could do no worse than two. They've already played everybody else in the division other than their final bout with the Texans, which is that Week 17 game. Now, I remember when the Titans got off to a 5-0 and start, we thought that that game might not mean anything for Tennessee. The Texans were 1-4 and at the time. The Titans were 5-0. and We thought, eh, maybe by then they're just running away with the whole thing, and they won't need that game. It's looking like they might need that game for sure. Depending, though, on what the Colts do in these next couple of weeks, Colts and Tennessee both have tough games the following week. And look, I'll call this a tough game for Indy. This is a pressure game for them. They know, like I said, they have to get this one. Otherwise, the division slips away. They still have a really great shot at a wild card. How about the Raiders losing Thursday night? My goodness. I mean, that that game fascinated me from a variety of angles. And allow me to go off on this tangent for a moment. I really like Justin Herbert, the rookie quarterback for the Chargers. He looks good. He looks very comfortable. He looks like he knows exactly where he wants the ball to go. Made that huge throw in overtime to get them in a goal-to-go situation and win that game. I mean, that was really phenomenal stuff. Meanwhile, the Raiders... You know, you get the coach. You get John Gruden out of the booth for Monday Night Football. You sign him to a decade-long contract. You get Mike Mayock, who, look, he's a good talent evaluator. Is he a great GM? I don't know. They've put together a pretty solid team, but they're 7-7, seven and seven, you know, and that was a huge loss for them. They have to beat the Chargers. They have to do it. They cannot lose that game. I know Mariota came in. Guess what? Your backup quarterback is a former number two overall draft choice. I know Tennessee left him for dead because of what Ryan Tannehill did, and I know he's not that great, but he does have ability, and he was running the daylights out of the football, and I just think that it's on them. They needed a way to navigate their way out of that game with a victory against a 4-9 and team. And I think the Raiders are what I would call a major disappointment. Now, I wasn't expecting Super Bowl run from them, but certainly playoff berth, which is in jeopardy now. And I haven't looked at the standings as far as they're concerned uh, this Friday morning as I record this podcast. But back to the Texans here. We had the report this week that Lewis Riddick interviewed for the GM post. Okay, great. And I think it's just part of the process. People are asking me, is he the guy? It's part of the process, all right? They're going to talk to some people here. They have options. He has options. They're going to let the process play out a little bit here. I don't think there's any sense of desperation to get any particular candidate signed up that quickly. Now, as I say this, they're probably signing somebody right now. I'm just kidding. We'll see how it all plays out. But I think it's due diligence. You have to talk to a variety of people here. Now, if you know Ron Wolf in his prime was available or Bill Parcells in his prime to shop for the groceries or even Jimmy Johnson. By the way, I really like Jimmy Johnson as one of the advisors. Jimmy Johnson, I think, is an excellent talent evaluator. Look what he and Jerry did with the Cowboys. That's one thing. But then people say, oh, he failed with the Dolphins. Okay, They didn't go to a Super Bowl. I get it. That's failure. But you know what they did 
in Miami. Don Shula was starting to fade, the all-time winningest coach in NFL history. They take over the franchise, they meaning Jimmy and his crew, and they promptly get a lot of talent on that roster, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, when you look at what they put together with Jason Taylor, when you look at Zach Thomas, when you look at Sam Madison and Patrick Sertan and all those guys they had down there, they were a playoff team for a number of years. Even after Jimmy retired uh, or retired from coaching, they were still bringing it. They just couldn't get the quarterback to replace Marino. I mean, they just couldn't find it, and they couldn't find that right chemistry at quarterback. Jay Fiedler was okay. They definitely missed out on finding that next guy, but that happens to a lot of teams. Anyway, I like the way Jimmy evaluates talent, and I'd be curious to hear. I'd love to be a fly on the wall for some of these conversations that Cal McNair is having with people on the advisory. I'm not going to call it a committee. In the advisory group, and again, they don't meet as a group. It's just individual conversations and things like that. But you'd love to hear what Rod Graves and Tony Dungy and Jimmy Johnson and Andre Johnson are saying to Cal McNair. And, of course, Jed Hughes. We'd love to hear that as well. Uh, But, look, this is a process that's going to play out in the next few weeks. We'll see how it goes. Meanwhile, you have three games left for the Texans. And you know me. I savor these things. I savor game week Sunday, game week Saturday as far as the colleges go. I I love it all, and I want to watch it all. And I feel like too many times we take this kind of thing for granted, especially this year. We're getting to watch so much football, and it's all over the place. Tuesday night, Thursday night for the NFL. It's just kind of strange. Monday night doubleheaders for college. You don't know who who's playing this week. It feels like one gigantic barnstorming thing with college football. And finally, I guess that winds down this weekend with the regular season coming to a close and then bowl season starting up, however that's going to shape up. Of course, we have – the Bercari Texas Bowl coming up very soon, and we'll find out who's going to be in that game soon enough. All right, so you're off to the Colts, and the Texans have won three of their last five in Indy. That's a sentence I can't believe I'm saying. I mean, prior to 2015, I would be just in disbelief that I could ever say such a thing, but they have won three of their last five in Indy. They won in 15, 16. They lost in 17 with Brissett in that regular season finale game when the Texans were out of it, finished 4-12. and 18, they win the overtime game at the buzzer. It's Watson against Andrew Luck, part one of their storied rivalry that we thought was going to go on for a long time, but it was only three games. And then in 19, they lost to Jacoby Brissett. So here they are in the 2020 matchup, and you've got Watson against Phillip Rivers, part, what is this, three, because they're one and one with Rivers. They beat him with the Chargers last year at the soccer stadium in L.A. They lost to him a couple of weeks ago at NRG Stadium in a coulda, woulda, shoulda game in which they botched the snap. I don't have to remind you about that, and here we go. So Texans playing for nothing. Okay, we'll see. I think every game you win, is a feather in your cap as a player, as a coach, as an organization. People will be throwing this record at them. The same people who say you shouldn't play, guys, and who cares, the record doesn't matter, are the same people who will remind you of how bad your record was. Trust me on this, it always happens. Even when you're going to the playoffs, right? When the Texans go to the playoffs and they don't, quote, need the final game in a regular season finale, people will still remind them of their record. They'll say last year, oh, you were 10-6 and six last year. You took a step back from 11-5. and five. Well, 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 wait a minute. You told us to, to rest the starters, and you agreed that it was a good idea to rest the starters, or many of them, rest many of the regulars, like Watson last year when A.J. McCarron got the start in the final game against the Titans. Of course it was the right thing to do. I think everybody agrees on that. But they still take the record and throw it in your face like it wasn't as good as the year before. 
Texans could have won that game. Now, I'm not saying they would have because the Titans were starting to get hot. They desperately needed that game. But you understand what I'm saying. Win as many games as you possibly can. You know, you win these final three, go seven and nine. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I wouldn't put it past the Texans to come up with a much better, uh, much better effort this week than they had against the Bears because it is their division foe, their nemesis, and they do remember what happened a couple of weeks ago. Now, as I say this, the hits keep coming on defense. Justin Reed, no. Brandon Dunn, no. You already know who else is out from that defense. This has been really rough to see bodies drop, and then already this year wasn't like fully loaded they were the 85 Chicago Bears unit. So you understand what I'm saying here. They've taken a lot of hits. And the Colts on the other side, uh, with their offense, they're really starting to warm up here. Jonathan Taylor running it very well. T.Y. Hilton, last couple of games, last three games, really coming around, feeling good, feeling like the old T.Y. Not good for the Houston Texans. They're going to have to score points. How are they going to do it? Well, number four is playing. And you get Brandon Cooks back. You get a few more weapons. Who knows? Let's just see how it all plays out. Let's enjoy the game on Sunday. Let's catch up with Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts. And, Matt, we do a lot of talking lately. Seems like just a couple of weeks ago we visited. How are you doing? I'm well, Mark. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, we got this on speed dial here with two games in three weeks. But it's all good, right? We're, we're playing games, and that's that's all that matters. That's all that matters, and the Colts are really gunning for something special here. Well, take me back to your experience Seeing the Colts and Texans play a couple of weeks ago, and there we were, the Texans at the doorstep, ready to break the hearts of the Colts and unable to get it done. What did you take away from that game? Give me some of your thoughts post-game. Well, I mean, I thought, to your point, that the Colts were really fortunate to come out of there with a win because, as you said, you're facing second down and a goal from the two-yard line, and there in the two-minute drill, the Texans are just humming. And I think the biggest takeaway for, for, for me from that game is that just Deshaun Watson, I mean, I'm not breaking any news here. Deshaun Watson is really stinking good. I mean, the guy has, you know, the ability, you know, I think only like four or five guys in the league you can say this about, but he's got this ability to elevate everyone's play around him. And I'm not at all trying to be disrespectful, but I mean, Saturday night before the game, I had no idea who's, uh, who I, idea who Zach Hansen was. Like, I had no idea. Like, game prepping for that game, uh, I had to, you know, crash course, and, and he had 100 yards in that game. And Kiki Cutie had 100 yards in that game. Uh, QD continues to be, you know, the Colts killer. He's been over 100 yards in, in three games in his career, all of them against Indianapolis. So the biggest thing for me is just offensively, as long as you got Deshaun Watson, you're always going to have a chance. I respect him that much, and he's able to, again, elevate everybody's play around him. I mean, you're kind of depleted at wide receiver. Brandon Cooks, I think, should be coming back this week, which is a great sign because I love him as a player as well. Uh, but, again, Deshaun Watson is just a top-five quarterback. I respect his game so much. And, again, on defense as well, Zach Cunningham's playing great. Uh, Adams is playing great. J.J. Uh, Watt had a sack and four tackles for loss against the Colts, uh, which is no surprise. Uh, he, he routinely uh, torments Indianapolis in their offense. So it was another, you know, I think stereotypical cliche Colts-Texans AFC South game that went down to the wire. 
the thing the thing for me is going into this game, you know, the, the Texans are, are four and nine and, and not much to play for in, in terms of, you know, playoffs. I think that's pretty much out the window, uh, but they're going to be playing for pride. So if I'm the Colts with a lot in front of them in terms of, you know, seeding in the playoffs and still having a chance to win the AFC South here, I, I, I sell this game. I try to manipulate my guys uh, to the point where I've got them convinced by Friday, Saturday that the Texans are 13 and 0 and they can win this game. Cause I, I absolutely think the Texans are good enough to win this game because again, Deshaun Watson is that good and I respect his game so much. Um, but if I'm the Colts, I, I, if I'm the Colts offense, I'm watching uh, the, the second half of that game where the Texans shut out the Colts uh, offensively in the first meeting. And if I'm the Colts defense, uh, I'm watching the first half where Deshaun Watson and company gashed the Colts to 20 points in the first two quarters. Um, so I'm selling it really hard. Like this is the human nature bowl. It's human nature to kind of uh, let up. You're, you're coming off a big win over the Raiders. You played really well on offense. And now you got a team under 500 coming in that you've already beaten. You know, you got to fight against human nature in this game. And so that's kind of the, the tag I'm giving it. If you're a Colts fan, human nature bowl, kind of rise up against that and, and 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 you know you can't take it for granted because the Colts really need another win uh to ensure they make the playoffs and help their playoff seeding. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts joining us. Okay, what about TY Hilton? You mentioned QT being a Colts killer and yeah he's put up some numbers, but TY definitely has the pelts here against the Houston Texans and he's erupted to a degree lately. He's in year nine. It seems like he's healthy now. What are you seeing out of TY? Yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail right in the head right there. He's healthy. For the first time in three years, he's healthy in the month of December. Um, so that's big. And, I, you know, this is just a hunch because we're not around him every day, Mark, like we normally are in years past. You know, we're not out of practice like we it can be in, in, in the past. But I, I just think, you know, Phillip Rivers, when he was with the Chargers in, in L.A. and San Diego, you know, he had some big body targets. You know, he had Antonio Gates and Williams and Keenan Allen. And those were guys that I think he was just comfortable with. Like, he could throw the ball over the middle. They could box somebody out. And he could throw the ball in a tight window. And he trusted those guys to make a play for him. And, and not, that, not that Rivers never had trust in T.Y. Hilton from the get-go. But I think as of right now, it's kind of at, at an all-time high as far as the season is concerned. He, you know, T.Y. is not the biggest guy. You know, he's 5'9", 5'8", 5'9", somewhere in that range. But I think as of right now, Phillip Rivers is, is really comfortable and is starting to understand what kind of receiver he has in T.Y. He can back shoulder throw T.Y. open. You know, he can put the ball in a tight window for T.Y. And even though he's not the biggest guy, he can, he can go make a play for him. And it's fun to see this offense kind of operate right now because all season long, for the most part, it's been eight or nine, ten receivers uh, or pass catchers every game getting involved in the Colts offense uh, offense here. But lately, you know, it's been kind of the, the triumphant, the trio of uh, Hines at the running back spot, Jonathan Taylor at running back as well, and then T.Y. Hilton. And what I like, you know, from the Colts in terms of what they're doing, they're getting T.Y. going early in some of these games lately. They're taking advantage of man-to-man coverage, and they're establishing T.Y. and getting his confidence going early on. You saw that in the first Texans game. Had a couple of big catches early. 
got his rhythm going, got his timing going, uh, got a couple of big first downs and kind of just established that it was going to be a T.Y. Hilton kind of day early on. So that's what I like uh, in terms of what the Colts are doing with T.Y. Hilton and with him being healthy, as I talked about, I think that's going to be big for this team going forward in these last three games to continue to have T.Y. be the star of the show on offense, but a really good supporting cast around him with solid football players and role guys like Zach Paschal and Trey Burton and Jack Doyle and Mo Cox. Matt, no one's ready to send Jonathan Taylor to the Pro Bowl just yet, but he's playing really well, and why is that? Tell me about his progress. It seems like the rookie wall or whatever is not a problem for him because he doesn't have all those touches, but how are you seeing it? Yeah, I think that's a really good question, and, and same kind of thing with T.Y. Hilton. He's kind of finding his rhythm in this offense right now. I mean, he's over 400 scrimmage yards in the last three games, over 300 rushing yards in the last three, and it's coming off his by, by far his best rushing uh, performance of the season last week in Las Vegas where he ran for 150 yards and uh, 20 touches. I mean, he's over, well over five yards per carry in the last three games. I think the biggest thing for Jonathan – you know, the Colts are a, a shotgun team. He's used to lining up in the eye formation behind a quarterback and a fullback uh, at Wisconsin and kind of running downhill. And the Colts are doing that some this season. But for the most part, they've been a shotgun team and they run out of the gun a lot. And I think the biggest thing for Jonathan Taylor is he's gotten a lot. He's gotten used to uh, more comfortable running out of the shotgun, which he didn't have to do a lot in, in college. So I think that's the biggest thing for him is he's starting to be patient and starting to let the offensive line kind of set up the run for him. Whereas in the beginning of the season, not that he was having a bad year, but he wasn't being as patient as he needed to be. So I think right now, you kind of that November speed bump that he hit, uh, you know, had a couple of, he had the one fumble in a game and just it had some unproven. I think that that's kind of smoothed out for him, and he's really kind of in the zone uh, for the most part here in 2020, playing the best football of his young career. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, joining us. Matt, last time we talked a lot about Phillip Rivers, and what I see in the last couple of weeks here, because the last time we spoke, you were coming off that tough loss to the Tennessee Titans, but when you're running the ball well, when the defense is playing well enough, uh, he's spreading it around a little bit. He's so effective. He can still be extremely effective at this stage of his career. What did he throw it 28 times against the Raiders, but they had the ground game cooking. So it all worked out very well for you. Yeah. I mean, balance was the name of the game in that last win over the Raiders. I mean, you threw it for 244. You ran it for 212. Again, you had eight different guys catch a pass. Uh, and Rivers didn't have to do a whole lot. I mean, only 28 passes, two touchdowns, both of them to T.Y. Hilton. You're just getting um, very, very high-level quarterback play right now from Phillip Rivers, even though he's 39 years old. I mean, in the last eight games, I mean, around here in Indianapolis, we kind of point to that Cleveland game where it was the most uneven performance of the year since then, and it's been eight games. I mean, you're talking about a 16-4 to touchdown-to-pick ratio, uh, 67% completion percentage well over 2,000 yards in that span, uh, quarterback ratings over 101, and the Colts are 6-2. and two. Um, So they're getting – I think they're getting everything they thought they would and then maybe then some with Phillip Rivers right now. And he's playing just like they thought he would uh, when they signed him back in March in free agency. I think the fascinating thing now going forward, if we can kind of fast forward into the offseason – what are they going to do with Rivers? Because it's a one-year deal. They don't have a quarterback on their roster right now uh, who signed beyond this 2020 season. So they have a decision to make. But based on everything we're seeing right now, 
I don't think there's any reason to believe that he can't play at a similar level at age 40 um, that he's playing uh, with here right now at age 39. I just don't think there's going to be a big drop off and that might afford the Colts uh, even more time to figure out, you know, what they're going to do, you know, long-term at the quarterback because Rivers is not going to be here in, you know, two to three years, certainly not five years. So the Colts are buying a little bit of time here, uh, whether it's the draft, maybe they can package up and move into the first round, high in the first round, and go after somebody they like, similar to what maybe what the uh, the Chiefs did a few years ago with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, just completely spitballing here, but mm. Philip Rivers has done a good job. He's afforded the Colts the opportunity to continue to box themselves out of the corner that they were kind of put in when Andrew Luck decided to retire two weeks before the 2019 season. And what Phillip Rivers is giving them is, you know, a guy that can still play at a high level, efficient quarterback play, and marry that with a young roster that's pretty much well-built, not a lot of holes on this team. Uh, it's a young team uh, under financial control, a lot of guys on the rookie contract, and they're trying to marry those two parties and get as much out of one another for as long as possible. Matt Taylor, voice of the Indianapolis Colts, joining us. Matt, the drama that's going on right now down the stretch between the Colts and the Titans. I mean, I'm watching this from where I sit. It's like watching two ex-girlfriends on The Bachelor. I mean, we're not really <laughs> part of it. I mean, we can help spoil it. We can prevent a rose here or there down the stretch with the game this weekend and the one against the Titans the final week of the regular season. But tell me about what you're thinking here down the stretch because you split with them. The last game didn't go so well for the Colts, but you're done with them in the regular season. How do you see it playing out these final three weeks? Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. I think, you know, the big, you know, hopefully both teams, you know, just for the argument's sake, you know, those that, that want a, a down-to-the-wire AFC South battle, you know, hopefully, if, you know, if you just don't have a dog in the fight outside of Houston, you know, you're hopefully you're setting up, you know, both teams win this weekend. And then I think next week's going to be really fascinating because the Colts have to go on the road, play at Pittsburgh. I know the Texans already did that. And, you know, Pittsburgh's kind of smarting right now a little bit. You know, offensively, they don't look very good here at the moment. Uh, they dropped a couple of games. And then uh, that, that same week, next week, the Titans have to go on the road and they have to play at the Packers. And, you know, there's not going to be any fans at, uh, in the game at, at, that, at Lambeau Field. Uh, but it's always a, a tough place to play, and the Packers are probably still going to be playing for, you know, seeding and home field advantage and things like that. So uh, I think next week's going to be a really fascinating week. Uh, both teams have to play two division games, um, or I should say the Colts have to play two division games. Uh, the, the, uh, the Titans have to play a, or a home game this weekend against the, uh, the Lions. Um, so it's going to be fun. I mean, as we've talked about in the past, the Titans are a team. It's not hard to figure out how to beat them. But they're so good at what they do, it's hard to execute that game plan. They're a much better team when they play with a lead and in control of the game. The biggest thing for me is when they can, you know, when they can afford to give Derrick Henry, you know, twenty-five to twenty-seven carries per game. They're hard to beat, and when they don't have that luxury, if they're playing from behind, you know, they're a much different animal. When Ryan Tannehill has to rely on some of those receivers, not that they can't do it, but obviously their bread and butter is run the football, play action pass with Ryan Tannehill. I mean, they executed to an absolute T against the Colts back in uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving where, you know, it's it's not hard to figure out how to beat them. It's slow down Henry, take away the uh, play action game, uh, take away the big passing plays to, you know, to Corey Davis and A.J. Brown. And the Colts didn't do any of those things, and and they they got beat bad. I mean, he wasn't even close. Um, so it's, it's going to be a really fun last three weeks here in the AFC South. 
Matt, Texans fans are doing a lot of thinking about who the new GM and coach, who they're going to be for this franchise and how it's all going to be set up because we really don't know. Tell me about Chris Ballard and Frank Reich and their chemistry. I know McDaniels was supposed to be the guy, didn't work out, whatever, but here you are and you're having some success with these two. What is it like between them, process? How do you see it? Yeah, I think, you know, first of all, great mutual respect between the two guys. Uh, both guys appreciate the other guys' job, you know, in, in the bigger picture, grand scheme of things. You know, Frank is obviously the guy that has to, you know, play the cards that he's been dealt. And, you know, I remember I go back to 2018 when the Colts didn't have nearly as, as solid of a uh, well-put-together roster as they do now. And Frank Reich thought, you know, hey, this is a Super Bowl team. I mean, that's kind of his mindset. No matter, you know, who's on his team, he feels like he can make it work. Um, so they have a tremendous amount of confidence in the talent that they have. Um, but, again, it's it's much better now than it was two, three years ago when, when Chris Ballard first got here. Um, but Chris is – He's got an eye for talent, and you know it's 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 easy for me to kind of say that because he's so much better at at evaluating things and projecting guys than than I ever could be. But you know, obviously for them, the Senior Bowl is a really big avenue of of you know evaluating players. They put a lot of stock in the Senior Bowl. Uh, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I would say in the last three or four years a high majority of their draft picks have been guys that played in that game. So they put a lot of stock in that. Um, and they also have, you know, baseline, um, you know, prerequisites for certain positions, every position, you know, they've got to get, they have, you know, things that, that players have to meet height, weight, speed, arm length, things like that. They don't deviate from them, you know, and, and if they, if they do deviate from them, as in the case with Kenny Moore, they have to have, like a trait that overcompensates for something that they're kind of deficient in. And so in, in Kenny's case, it's his wingspan, it's his arm length, and it's his vertical leap. And we saw that last week in Sunday, on Sunday against the Raiders. Mm-hmm. You know, Kenny's 5'8", five, 5'9", five, but he plays like a guy who's 6'1", 6'2", because he's got unbelievable uh, wingspan, his arms are really big, I and mean, he can go up and just snatch that ball out of, out of midair with one hand. And so that that's sort of how Chris Ballard operates. And he's really big into character. He's really big into, you know, locker room chemistry and culture. Um, you know, it's that old saying where, you know, Chris is the leader of the team, uh, but the team kind of dictates, you know, how well it plays and how far it's going to go. The locker room dictates, you know, a lot of that success. And he's a big believer in that. You know, you just look at Kenny Moore, guys like Rigoberto Sanchez, Jack Doyle, guys that do it consistently uh, on the field and do the right things off the field. They're going to get rewarded. Those are the guys that get contract extensions uh, under Chris Ballard so far in three years. Um, So they put a lot of weight, you know, with with character off the field, what you're like as a person. Um, You know, they have a, a former Marine on their staff who's sort of like a character evaluator. Uh, they take him well, everywhere. They take him to the combine. They take him to do all these draft interviews. And he's not asking football questions. He just wants to know how you tick, how you operate, how you are as a guy, uh, because they think that goes a long way in, in, in terms of your football success is kind of how you handle yourself off the field. So they kind of weigh the whole equation, not just football success, uh, but also character evaluation as well. All right, very cool. Great information, Matt. We appreciate the time, as always. Looking forward to the game on Sunday. Thanks a lot. Sweetness, my man. You got it. My pleasure.
There's Matt Taylor, voice of the Indianapolis Colts, Texans and Colts Sunday at noon. After that, it's the Bengals and the Titans to round out the season. But let's get fired up for one in Indy and enjoy ourselves Sunday afternoon. It's live on Sports Radio 610 of the Bull 100.3 FM and the Texans app. And you might be on that app right now. Have a great weekend, everyone. Check out all the other podcasts wherever you got this one and wherever fine podcasts are available. And as always, go Texans.